When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape. This one's remote, I'm in Vancouver, and uh, I don't know how much we can talk about why we're in Vancouver, but I'm sitting with my buddy Kevin Tantron. Did I pronounce that right? You did, Like, actually. that's it, right? That's correct. Okay. And he's been on Geekscape before. He was on Geekscape, I think, two or three years ago to promote Mortal Kombat Legacy, the machinima like series that he directed. And uh, he's also the director of Fame. We will talk about mm-hmm. your B-boy past. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're sitting in a hotel. My hotel's up the street. This is uh, his hotel room. And uh, we're two filmmakers from Los Angeles in Vancouver working on TV shows. And I said, hey, it's been too long for you since we've had a Geekscape for you guys. So um, here we are giving you guys a Geekscape. I'll be back in the studio, uh, I guess. Um in late October, but maybe I can get you guys another uh, on-assignment Geekscape episode before I leave Vancouver and head home. Um, but Vancouver's awesome. I've never been here. You haven't. I've never weird. been to Vancouver. And you actually, you well, you're spoiled now because you literally came when it's nice. the most gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'll you'll experience the rain, but right now it's like it's this is perfect weather. It Absolute was stunning. Perfect. Yeah. I walked through uh, Stanley Park yesterday, uh-huh. which I call indoor. Uh-huh. And it's just one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's, it was spiritual. It's super bright. The sun is out, and the wind is like what? What, what do we say? Like sixty? Yeah, 60-ish? but when my wife gets here next weekend, pouring it's gonna be it's gonna be pouring rain. Pouring rain. It's not gonna last. So <laughs> uh, we have that to look forward to. Uh, but in Geekscape news, I've been hanging out with Derek Kernevelt, our managing editor on the site and co-host of Geekscape Games, and. Uh, and other than that, we've just been texting back and forth with Kevin, who's down the street, and we finally got to hang out today. He's been, been in production on a show. I've been uh, on a show, and, um, and this, is, this is the life, mm-hmm. I guess. It's, it's fun coming to Vancouver and playing absolutely. make-believe. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And this is the best. I mean, the, 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 everybody shoots up here. I think it's, right. it's, it's kind of overpacked right now. I remember somebody telling me on the crew now is that they're, just, they're out of crews. Between, yes, you know, our driver was saying that anybody who has a license can basically start driving for these companies. Absolutely. I mean, because I think there's something like 20-something shows, and then Deadpool just left, and then Star Trek just left, and yeah. kind of crazy. It's, I mean, it's not, if you guys want to work in Hollywood, come you, to can work, you can work in Canada, come to Vancouver. There's work, <laughs> and uh, if you're on the right show, it can last years. If you're on the wrong show, it can last a few months. Yeah, exactly. But... I can see why it's such an awesome. Like at first, I was like, well, I thought it was just like a uh, a union thing with LA, and it kind of is with the taxes and the union and stuff. But this is a perfect place to shoot. It is. You can Absolutely. shoot all sorts of stuff here, and um, uh, I've been keeping myself active when we aren't working. Um, you know, we went to see a movie today. You, uh, we went to see the Iron Giant, which you had never seen. We saw the signature edition of the Iron Giant. Yep. We can start with that. Iron Giant, like I don't know what has taken me so long to see it right um but i figured you know if i'm gonna see it i may as well go see it on the big screen and you ju- you are the one who told me that it was playing i wouldn't have yeah. known at all I so said, thank you for for telling we me we were about thinking it. about movies to see and you said you know you wanted to see this and that and, I, and derek brought up that the iron giant was playing the signature edition mm-hmm. uh this is brad bird he cut in two small scenes into the film i picked out one of them which one was it uh well, the Geekscapists are going to be like, oh, no, you're wrong. That was the original film. But Uh-oh. I think it was the one where you see um, sort of like uh, where 
Dean is asleep, and he wakes up, and there's kind of that vision of 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 like an like the Iron Giants oh, as an invasion force. It's like a, a nightmare. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Iron Giant has a nightmare that he's going to be a, a weapon, I thought that or that he a cool is a weapon. Touch. Yeah, and. Uh, in the other sequence, I, c- I couldn't pick out. It may have just been an addendum to a previous scene. Mm-hmm. But I have not seen that movie in the theater since it came out. And it's a pretty awesome movie. It holds up. It holds up completely. I mean, this and maybe I completely missed this in the movie. And maybe you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. But I, f- I find in movies nowadays, there's a obsession with having to explain everything yeah like literally explain everything and sometimes the movies that i particularly love are the ones that don't think the audience is stupid yeah they, and they, they, and they you let halfway, you yeah. interpret the way you want it but did they not explain what he was where they he never was did. or they why he crash landed or any of that you never learn the origin of the iron giant you know he's a meteorite yeah like he that's the first scene of the movie is earth and then and you, you see know Sputnik he... past the Earth, and it kind of sets the stage for 1957 paranoia yeah. and anti-nuclear, like nuclear war, and 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 you know xenophobia, xenophobia, and in the Red Scare, and and then from the, there are a lot of sirens in Vancouver. I'm yes, just gonna say that, like, but they'll never catch us. <laughs> but uh, but once it sets the stage, it just it just goes off and running, and the script is so economic, <laughs> and it's so great to see uh, like cell animation again on a big screen. Yeah. Uh, and by that time, like Toy Story and a few other, I think it was Toy Story in Bugs Life had been out at that point. So a completely CGI movie, it was something that you'd seen by the time Iron Giant came out. But that was the first time that I had seen a movie that uh, fluidly put CGI in anima, in cell animation, right? And yeah. Yeah, it was an enhancement to the to the hand drawn right. animation. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And seeing it again uh, on the in, on the theater screen, you're just like, wow. This movie was really impressive for '99, and it's still impressive now. So a lot of that's the script too. It all to me was, I mean, as much of a spectacle as it is, it it's really a care. It's such a character movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, a a barn, a house, a mom, her her son, and one villain. Yeah, and one legend. I mean, like it's like it was such a. It is contained in right. its own weird way. I know at the end the army comes and all that good stuff, yeah. but it's a contained movie that it does remind me of big hero six big hero six which Uh, is like your favorite movie i love that movie so much i mean when i saw you show up to the theater with a baymax hat on i was like you're about to have one of the best experiences in a theater of your life because this because big hero six and that relationship does owe a lot to iron giant but iron giant also owes a lot to the original frankenstein Mm et Uh, so many of these movies, and we love every single one of them. Absolutely. I mean, I like the, the, the I loved the random humor too, where like the boy, the boy saying he needs a place to stay, mm-hmm. and then the guy just gets up, yeah, and just walks pours away, pours his coffee on the ground, <laughs> walks away, and shuts the door, and <laughs> I'm then I'm not gonna comes, help you. Yeah, and it, it was it was like just little moments of things like that, especially the espresso with the the kid drinking the espresso mm-hmm. and. All his, I'm cool. That's I mean, it's a great character. I recently saw E.T. and the the older brother in E.T. like they curse. Oh and yeah. E.T. they're pretty foul mouthed. Yeah. And they talk like kids talk and stuff like that. I see it, it like just it hit me when I watched rewatched E.T. I saw it at the Hollywood Bowl with the with the orchestra with the orchestra, but it hit me how much we've gotten away from that kind of stuff, or at least ironed that stuff out of. Kids movies, yeah, or family movies. Everything's and, so peace. I mean, and there's every, a little bit left in this movie. There there's is a little bit where you're like, oh, that's a joke for the adults. Absolutely. Like they, what was, what were, what were the jokes that they made? I mean, even when, uh, what's the, I, I can, why am I blanking on the villain's name? Uh, it's just Christopher McDonald. Hey, Christopher McDonald. <laughs> but like the way he eyes the mom, and he when plays he like op- a government spook. Yeah. Yeah, he eyes the mom pretty hypersexually when he opens the door. Yeah. Um. The poop references. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is all stuff that we love Brad Bird for. Yeah, you know he. Uh, in in this is all this reissue in the theaters, and there's only two screenings. There was a screening today and a screening tomorrow. I don't know how it was in the U.S., but here in Canada, I'm really glad that the theater that it happened to be playing in in Vancouver was literally down the street from our hotels. Yep. And uh, I guess the DVD, which uh, Blu-ray, which comes out tomorrow, um, is just uh, it's got a documentary as part of it. And it's like a maverick filmmaker. It was his first feature film. And then, of course, he goes on to make The Incredibles. And he did Ratatouille. And 
Um, Mission I lo- Impossible. Mission Impossible. His Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol may still be my favorite. Mission Ghost Impossible. Protocol was great. And then, uh, what did he do immediately? Uh, Tomorrowland. Yeah, Tomorrowland, yeah. which I really enjoyed, and it yeah. got a short freaking shift with the the audiences. I just the audiences did not turn out for that movie. I I don't see how, you know, there's the argument that it was mismarketed. But what would you have done differently? Uh, the only thing I took away from watching that movie, which I, I, I really did enjoy it, is is it seemed to me that for general audiences, mm-hmm. the movie was neither made specifically for kids or specifically for adults. So yeah. a lot of the higher kind of... tweener as they would say in the industry? I, I it's guess, but... It's an It lands like, between demographics. But like the subtext and the message that the movie was trying to convey, I, I know, went over every child's head. Mm-hmm. But there's similar... There's also, But there's also similar scenes, like when the little robot girl in Tomorrowland uh, like walks into the street and gets like hit by the car, and you're like, holy shit! That's right. You know, that's the kind of humor that jumps you out of the... You know, it's the kind of humor that was familiar in this one. I did... There was one thing that I, I, I know a lot of people got slightly uncomfortable with how in love George Clooney was with a child. Well, she's a robot. I know. She's technically older than him. But there was a visual thing that right. a lot of people just simply couldn't get over. And you know that early in the movie. So if you guys haven't seen Tomorrowland, like, it is literally the setup of the film. Yeah. It was George Clooney as a, as a kid mm-hmm. falling in love with this girl who you learn. Is robot a, girl. Yeah. yeah, she's a robot. And uh, he ages and she doesn't. But, um, yeah, no, I think uh, Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland's still in my top ten of this year. It was a very fun movie. I mean, you know, Hugh Laurie My number Laurie one was being good. another robot girl movie, Ex Machina. Well, Ex Machina was, I love it. <laughs> it's on another level. It's awesome. That's a whole different level. I mean, I saw that movie unknowingly. Yeah, like, unknowingly. I no, I mean, you like. You woke I up did... from the chloroform days? No, no, <laughs> like... I, I mean, like, I didn't know what I was walking into, right? right? So I, I didn't have it hyped up. Right. Um, no one has really told me they were like it's just, you know just a small thoughtful movie about artificial intelligence mm-hmm. i was like oh well i'll certainly watch that for sure and then i was so impressed with the style the music and uh, the production design was one of my favorites i mean that that's a real place i believe mm-hmm. um and i would want an office that looked like that absolutely i, I mean, mean who didn't fall in love with the robot though i mean everybody She's i know fell awesome. in love. <laughs> and then you didn't see man from uncle not yet. She's as she's great in Man from Uncle too. Is she? She. I mean, she's such a she's a great actress. She's gorgeous. I mean, I was like that robot. Everyone would fall in love with that robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pro, no problem. So the Iron Giant signature edition. If you guys are Iron Giant fans, I think you still have to own this one, mm-hmm. and not just for the added minutes in the film, but the documentary. The, yeah, and this seems to be the definitive version of the film, and. I applaud Warner Brothers for doing this because they lost their shirts on the movie when it first came out, and, and it died pretty quickly in theaters. And I, I'm pretty impressed with the, the, the tone that the documentary is taking, yeah. which is very anti, it seems very anti-establishment, and look at these rebel filmmakers who don't like the big the big studios. Right. And, you know, that, at least that's the tone that I took away from the small clips that we saw. You know, um, so I'm impressed that they're putting out a movie... And a documentary that's about that process at that studio. Mm-hmm. And knowing that it didn't perform all that well when it came out, but it has such a cult following, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, it seemed like you look up and all of a sudden the, the Iron Giant is a cult film. Yeah, absolutely. And it happened so... It happened almost... Like, it happened like Pinkerton. Remember the Weezer album, Pinkerton? Mm-hmm. Like, the second Pinkerton album, people were like, eh, it's not, you know, it's not the Blue album, and they didn't listen to it. Or they, they didn't really accept it. And then Rivers Cuomo got really upset about that and went into like, uh, you know, he kind of went away for a bit and he went to Harvard and this and that. And he kind of figured out a new way to write music. And then slowly Pinkerton started informing every emo or, yeah. you know, emo album that came out. After, like everything well, came happens, out after Pinkerton. It seems like a, that happens quite a bit. I mean, like people forget Blade Runner was a total utter flop yes. when it came out and it slowly became like one of the most influential noir films for sci-fi and i know i mean everybody and their mom references it when it comes to production design mm-hmm. um, jordorowski's dune mm-hmm. did you see how awesome of a great. documentary is that it's great i mean it's a it's amazing how these things take time to like they were just ahead of their time right you know, jordorowski's dune was ahead of their time and you saw the proliferation of those ideas 
in the next 30, 40 years. You're still seeing ideas from Jodorowsky's doing. If you haven't seen that documentary, go see it. I only bring it up because Blade Runner and Ridley Scott and this and that. uh, And they're doing a Blade Runner 2. Which I'm not a huge fan of. (laughs) I'm actually kind of curious why Ridley Scott feels like he needs to do sequels to his classic movies. Or prequels, in the case of Prometheus. Um, I am looking forward to The Martian, though. I am looking forward to that. That was the big movie that came out this weekend. I didn't see it because I was reading the book. Yep. And because my wife is coming to, tr- to Vancouver next weekend, and if I see it without her, she'll skin she'll kill me. You. <laughs> but the book is awesome. Andy Weir wrote this book, and uh, I think I told you and Derek earlier, but it, it feels like you're li- watch- it feels like you're reading a, a Michael Crichton book again. Okay. Like it has that science, and supposedly he went when he released the book for free. Andy Weir released like the book chapter by chapter free online. And it slowly started accumulating uh, a, a bit of a following. And then people started asking for it to be released on the Amazon marketplace through, so they could read it on the Kindles. And he did. He wanted to release it for free, but you couldn't keep it up. The, uh, you couldn't keep it permanently on the marketplace for free. So he did, went with 99 cents and it immediately went to like the top 10. Yeah. And then a publisher found it. And by the time it was hit the shelves, it already had the movie deal and this and that. It, it's a pretty crazy story. But in the process of releasing chapters, it became a popular book with scientists. And a lot of them looked at the science of the book and sent him some, you know, critiques and, and some suggestions. And he integrated into rewrites. Did he really take Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. He didn't integrate all of them. But in the, in the afterwards of the film, um, he, uh, he ends up, he ends up, uh, uh, in the, well, in the afterward for the book, he talks a little bit about how he, um, how he integrated some of those notes and kind of tweaked his science. Well, that's it, cool. That's totally like written by a nerd. For that's nerds. awesome. I, I read, uh, I think George Takei posted a picture today that said, between Saving Private Ryan, Interstellar, Interstellar and The Martian, America has spent a shitload of money trying to retrieve Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon, quit getting lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude. But I do remember that when I saw the first trailer for The Martian and it had, you know, Matt Damon uh, in Getting Lost in Space. Yeah. I was like, is this like yeah. a prequel to it's Interstellar? Like the sequel to Interstellar, yeah. <laughs> Do you like Interstellar? I liked it when I watched it. Yeah. I don't find it rewatchable. It doesn't it's have a... Too it's just droll, way too... Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was... I think I was more impressed with the pure technicality scope? and scope of yeah. it and, uh, rather than the story. Yeah. You know, it, I, I got lost... When Matthew McConaughey started floating through a weird library of, of lit, <laughs> lit strings, lit violin strings, I, I felt be, I felt a little bit betrayed that it was like science, science, science and you re- they really do a good job of continuing to hit you over the head with the science. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, no, the ending's just Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> like, weird. like nah, And then the character stuff, like if you guys haven't seen Interstellar, like I'm pretty close to spoiling some stuff, but um, the, there were some. You know, he he fights through time and space to try and get back to this daughter that he left, and the ending betrays a lot of that. It does. I, and yeah. I was like, wait a minute here. Yeah. You can betray. You can betray. Like since you made the rules of science, mm-hmm. you can you can play fast and loose with this, the rules of science because no one knows what happens inside of a black hole. Exactly. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't know what happens within a black hole. So you can play fast and lose with those rules. Yeah. The character that you established and continue to establish throughout that script, don't play loose with his rules. No, he Don't betray that. I didn't did you like the setup to the movie? I didn't I felt like the setup um, was also so incredibly convenient. How did they stumble upon <laughs> huh? that, that glider? Y- y- well, yeah. Remember the glider? Yeah, they, like look a glider. Oh, it's look, like, it's there. And yeah. then they like stumbled upon the secret NASA hideout because of the glider yeah but it was but so random yeah and, they, and it's a good thing they lived on that part of the country a con- slash continent and all that place it's like oh this oh. was next door and we never even knew it exactly That's it was a bit too convenient for me yes but people like it I, listen i like nolan a lot so i mean i'll look forward to anything he does i watched the batman begins uh trailer again today uh-huh. uh I, I literally just watched it because on reddit somebody said that um to appease fans and tell them that they, that their reboot of Batman in nine in '05 wasn't going to just be another loopy, silly Batman, they released this kind of dark. The first trailer to to Batman Begins and all it has like only flashes of Batman in it, but for the most part, it's like him going in like 
uh, meeting Rajal Ghul and like going yeah. and, and with the assassins and getting all that stuff. And it's a pretty dark trailer. It's pretty awesome. And it I is. remember walking out of Batman Begins and being like, that was fucking great. Yeah, that movie changed the whole landscape. Right. I mean, completely. I mean, I remember walking out of that movie and feeling somewhat similar to the way I walked out of The Matrix. Sure. Where I was like, oh, this is going to change a lot of sure. stuff. Whether it be just tonally, the whole genre shifted after. In retrospect, for the good or better. Um, I, mean, I think for the good at first. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I even... I was even obviously inspired to shift when I did the Mortal Kombat Rebirth short. Right. It was all like, yeah, we're going to do this, like, the Batman version sure. of it, right? So I do think that dark and gritty did start to get old after a while. Well, when it became Spider-Man. Yes. When Amazing Spider-Man came out and they were trying to make a Batman movie, it felt like like a Batman movie. Yeah, and it. I think it audiences really now have completely out. shifted to the, hey, I think we need to have fun again. Right, Guardians like, was such fun. a breath of fresh air. That's right. Not to say Daredevil wasn't, because Daredevil had that realistic tone. I think Daredevil it, was fucking awesome. It depends on the property, right. right? But I think Guardians was such a breath of fresh air for people. People are like, oh, we can have fun again in these superhero movies. It's not all like so dark and depressing, and everyone mm-hmm. has a mental problem, um, and people aren't you know dying on the sets and whatever. But uh, Guard- Marvel, I think, really kind of shifted their genre. You know, obviously Daredevil is dark and gritty, but you know Iron Man was. We had fun Loved again, it. right? We started to, oh, enjoy, oh, this is funny, and there's comedy in there, and it's light, and it's not super dark, it's not super serious. And um, I think that's, you know, you look at The Flash, right? The Flash is just a fun show. A show you've directed on. Yeah. That's what I'm not here doing. Not to say I'm envious, <laughs> but, you know, you, you can't envy friends. I think that's unhealthy. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, it's that's great. fucking awesome. It's a great show. And, it, and tonally, it's like, we're having a good, it's fun. It's right. fun. I mean, like, there are twists and turns and stakes, obviously. It's well-written, too. Yeah. it's so. I mean, I don't know how they write it so fluidly and so well, because the second you put in time travel, I feel like everything unravels. Right. And especially in a television show where you have to, like, keep doing episodes and For talking long, about it. Yeah, I thought the Wells thing, I thought the, the whole Wells, like, or, like Professor Zoom stuff was going to play out longer. Mm-hmm. But... It, it was tightened up by the end of the first season. That's right. And it was awesome. It's and awesome. then it opened up for the whole like Earth 2 stuff. Yeah. Okay, so that'll be season 2 and I'm going to love that. Mm-hmm. Please tell me your guys are bringing a Black Superman in. A Black Superman? Uh, that From I actually don't know. <laughs> that I actually don't know. Actually wait, actually uh don't, be- don't, don't, no spoilers here. No, 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 no. I I I believe that you know, the reason why, like, yeah. Supergirl wouldn't cross over to Arrow and Flash and right. Legends is because in the world that the Flash, Legends, and Arrow occupy, Superman doesn't exist. Sure, because he would just fix everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't think that they can merge those properties. They released, the, the, they released that official picture of Jay Garrick in, like, a full yeah. glory, his outfit. It looks perfect. It's great. Don't it's tell me. Don't tell me anything about your episode. <laughs> but are you excited to see Jake Garrick and fucking totally stoked? When Zoom. I saw that, when I saw that damn helmet come out of the, at the end of the, the, the finale of yeah. last season, I jumped in. Look, my wife is like, "What's that?" And I was like, "It's fucking cool. That's what it is." It's <laughs> and cool. Zoom. So you're gonna be excited to see Zoom. I'm stoked for the, and, all of it. And then who else is? Uh... Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher. I'm excited for Adam Smasher. Yeah. Like, and he's probably, maybe, may only be in the first episode. But you the know? cool character. But yeah. It's, let's do Adam Smasher. Let's get the whole JSA in there. Let's get the whole Justice Society in there. I'm excited. I, I think I was, I remember hearing that they were going to do Gorilla Grodd in, ep, in this first season. Well, I you, go, you see you see Gorilla Grodd in his cage and you're like, how are they going to do a psychic monkey? Yeah. And then I was like, because that was a true test, right? To, to, to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do we're gonna go characters. We're, we're going gonna go, for it. We're going to fucking go for it and do Gorilla Grodd. And I, I love that people responded so well to it because, you know, if put in the wrong hands, that could have easily Too tanked. Too yeah. just, just took the whole thing down. I was That, that episode, I don't want to say that episode more than any other because I, I loved first season Flash. Uh, was the one where I was kind of hopping up and down giddy the entire time, just uh, completely in disbelief that this was actually on television for a major audience because yeah. they pulled it off. They pulled it off on a on a on a television show. They like, pulled it know. off. Never in my life did I think I was going to see that. And um, 
And there you go. And in in that, you, which episode of Shield did you do, Agents of Shield? Because I I've like done that three, show. I've done uh, three of them so far. I did the one where Agent May fights herself. Loved it. And they like rip that face, and yeah. it gets damaged permanently. Yeah. Um, then I did the one that had like the cast of kooky characters, where Sky's dad goes and recruits. Like a girl yeah. with finger blades, and yeah. they get an RV. Lady Deathstroke, that's not Lady Deathstroke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I did the one that tied into Age of Ultron, where uh, yeah. we had Sky do the one take action scene. That you did that. Like, I on, did that one. Yeah. No. Did anybody on that set start talking about that fucking Daredevil one take master that was? Yeah, the, they did. They did, two? but they also said that they had forever to do it. <laughs> On Daredevil, they had forever. They, they well, they had a like lot four, of rehearsal time. There's like three or four cuts in that sequence. Yeah, and you had. Did you do any cuts? No in cuts. That cuts? No. Yeah, and where we, she's going around the table and this and that in the lab. Like barely any rehearsal. I know mm-hmm. Daredevil. They, I think they get. You know, they're cape. They're on Netflix, right. so they have time and money. Right. You know, more than Agents of Shield does. Um, and Chloe, who plays Sky, literally had one rehearsal. Yeah. No, I, I read an interview with her. Yeah. I didn't realize that was your episode. It, yeah. I'd have texted you and been like, "Oh, yeah, you got some balls on you, Tantron." Well, you know, at first, did it come we, out of necessity or was it? No, we wanted. We yeah, were like, we want to do a one take thing. And at first, because you know, t- as you know, TV schedules are unforgiving. Yes, right. It's completely unforgiving. You you don't have time to do anything. Go. And these shows now are so ambitious that it becomes really difficult to try and take the time and energy to perfect something. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, if you really think you have the time to do it, try it. But if you don't, cover it, right? Um, but the take that you saw that ended up in the cut was like take four. Right. And she nailed it. And we were like, we got it. Are we going to cover it? I went, no. Oh, that's risky. Yeah. <laughs> and then we... That's it, but that was your third episode with them. That was my third episode. So they had a little bit of trust in yeah, you. Yeah, for you were sure. Gonna, yeah. But I, I was nervous. Could that you I imagine didn't... breaking that up with coverage, though? Like inserts and stuff? It would have ruined it. I would have. I would have. I was a little nervous about not shooting coverage right. because I do know that you know you, you you have to have options in television because things have to get cut down or you totally. you don't know what how the cut's going to play. Sure. But thank God it worked. <laughs> you know what I liked about that one, and they they also did it pretty well in Falling Skies. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you like to Falling Skies, yeah. but they did a lot of one-take masters in that. It was um, I like that you're about one or two minutes into the shot, and you're like, oh, it's a one-take master. Yeah. That, you know, and, and maybe some people just realize they, that there were no... Like, they don't realize it at all. They're just watching fluid television. But, but I like being one or two minutes into the yeah. take and being like, oh, okay, who's this person? And they, yeah, got, no. they got cojones. I like them. I mean, even... I think even, like... Uh, because you're a filmmaker, you, you you probably notice this on the Flash too. Well, I want to keep fixing your playing with your mic. Oh, we keep going. Sorry, audience. Oh, is it not the yeah, level? Yeah, I, I think that's better. Okay. Um, I was saying that on the Flash, I'm sure you notice this too, but that there is such an attention to camera style. Yes. Um, and, you know they developed it on Arrow, and it has all of those handoffs and long moving shots and steady cam moves. I see and, it a lot in the hallways and this and that. Yeah. Um, I know that that was something that a director named Glenn Winter really had pushed, and I, I believe it resonated very well with the team over at the Berlanti the camp. And uh, that's just a style that I think these shows make them unique. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they don't always do coverage. Right. You know? Sometimes one one person's line will be on the back of their head, but we're, you're 360 around them. And it, right. it, if the shot is cool, you don't always have to revert to television coverage. All right, let's get a wide. Okay, let's do an over medium. Okay, let's do a tighter. Okay, let's the turn The crew around. will fall asleep. Like, you're like, ugh. But the crew will fall. You will you might lose the crew in yeah. doing that because it's like, well, okay. Well, let's... Exactly. Are you going to do it? I mean, but uh, I was, you know, I was taught in, in how much is this, it, it, you can trust me. Like, I just went through the workshop at the yeah. corner. So, um, that like you can put little sizzles on the beginning of the scenes, at the end of the scenes. Like your ins and outs are really where you want to pick your spots for that kind of stuff. Like your transitions. But are you finding more? Are you finding that television's more beginning to become a place where you can put that some of that stuff in the middle of the scene? Yes, I do. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times where I'll look at a scene that might be a page. Sure. And I'll go, if there's a way to do this in one, yeah, let's do it, right? Um, Sure, you're gonna have a t- you're gonna have a second camera running. Sure, absolutely. You know, but 
But if we can do something where like, okay, somebody walks in the room, you steady cam there, it hands off to another person walking down the steps, and then it turns around, and all of a sudden they're in a position that you can carry all of them as they're talking to each other, and then they all leave the room, you know, that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, moving on. Moving on. Let's get, move get, on. Yeah. But uh, at the very least, I like to do, like you said, a very solid in yeah. and a very solid out, you know. Um, but I do really try hard to try and do it and, like, really try to cleverly block each actor so that they could say their line within the camera move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a, it's an interesting dance sometimes because sometimes you have to let the logic of why that person is standing there Trump style. I think you should always have to do that. Yeah, always. But sometimes it's okay if, you know, somebody has saying this line on the move going from one chair to this computer. Yeah, it depends on the line. If the line isn't of import, I mean, they're all of import, but you know what I'm saying. Like, if if the line isn't Mm dun-dun-dun, the moment of the scene, the crux of the scene, then, then yeah, you can make make it a a, a line that doesn't get caught on camera. Sure. The one one trick that I, I, I think works very, very well, but I also try to limit my tendency to do it is always pushing in always yeah. pushing in like or pushing into like end of scene yeah it's a bit soap opera and it, i think we're beyond it it is i mean it's it's it is such a i think it it is very spielbergian when it when it's done right yes but it's very clint eastwood when it's done too heavy yeah and i and i like clint yeah maybe ron howard is a little more like yeah. he like it seems like it's in almost all his movies that's why i thought Ron Howard, like the freshest movie he did was that um, that race car movie that he did with oh, I uh, love that Chris movie. Helmsworth. It was so good. Holy shit, that felt like a new filmmaker. It was really good because I went and saw that at Ron like, Howard a DGA rein- screen. Again, he's reinventing himself this far into his career. That movie had so much energy. I love that movie. Rush. No, Rush. Rush. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rush that didn't have uh, yeah. the heroine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there was a, Jason Patrick did that movie or Jason Patrick did that movie. It wasn't Jason Patrick. It was. Um, yeah, Jason Patrick was a Terminator. Oh, yeah. uh, T-1000. It was uh, Jason... You get it. But uh, yeah, there is a heroin movie from the early 90s called Rush. But yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I thought Rush was phenomenal, and I really just... The story was also incredible. Yeah. Two utter rivals who have so much respect for each other. Yeah. And I just... It was such a good story. Did you see the Senna documentary? The Ayrton no. Senna documentary? No, I know. It's the same dudes who did the Winehouse documentary? I heard it's great. I actually haven't even it was my seen favorite the movie that year. I haven't seen the Winehouse one, but Senna was my favorite movie that year. Okay. Bar none, documentary or otherwise, that was my favorite movie that year. I and should it, check it, it out. It had that energy, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, but it was a documentary. It was awesome. That was a really good While movie. we're talking about F1, <laughs> which which I never talk about because yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't follow it. But I don't, I don't either. I mean, I was, not, I'm not a race car. F- no, you're a beat boy. Yeah. <laughs> you're a beat boy. <laughs> so we get out of the movie theater and, um, I hope you weren't pressured by the fact that I ran a half marathon. This no. <laughs> I ran a half marathon in West Vancouver because I'm of the, the opinion that if you're going to visit a place for the first time, you might as well get a medal for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I ran a I ran a race out in West Vancouver, and it was stunning. I spent half the race running, like, looking up at trees and nature, mm-hmm. and I got, like, a little dizzy because the air is so well, pure up here compared here. to, like, LA. <laughs> to L.A. that I was, like, high. I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting yeah. oxygen overload. Well, that's what the rain is good for here. Yeah. It's- but you walked out of the theater and you were like, I'm going to go dance. <laughs> and I know you directed Fame and I know you come from like the whole dance background. Yeah. What the hell? For someone who has no rhythm, even though he's Hispanic, like the white side of me has my legs. Like, yeah. What the, what the hell is that? Like, what, what, how'd you get into dancing? You, like, Actually, I mean, it was... You came off the streets with the cardboard and stuff? No, like, what is this? it was... Um, I was a very hyper kid, but I was also very... I was super into nerdy stuff like Ninja Turtles and all that. You know, I Ghostbusters know. and Power Rangers. We're sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> this is geeks. But, um, we know, sir. But my sister uh, was a dancer, and she was in a singing group, and I was young. So after school, when she would have to do rehearsals, and I had my, like, karate outfit on, my taekwondo outfit or whatever. Sure. You know, a little kid in a rehearsal room when everyone's dancing is going to get bored and at least try to do it. Yeah. So I just tried to do it. And um, I ended up being coordinated enough to do it. So... It was something that my mother just had me take dance classes because she thought it would it was you know good exercise for sure. And that got you into filmmaking? No, that well, it was a weird thing because after that, 
I started to dance professionally because when I was like 15, like why not make a little bit of cash? Sure. Why sure. not? Um, but that like I worked in a comic book store. And we know how that ended yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> here so, I am. So I was like, yeah, I may as well make a little bit of money for, to save up for college, which yeah. I ended up never going to. But then uh, I got a call. My best friend at the time was was uh, choreographing. He was like, "Hey, this is 1999." Yeah, yeah. He said, "Hey, so I'm choreographing for In Sync, this boy band." And some girl who just has a hit single coming out soon called Hit Me Baby One More Time. Get that. And here. it's like, it's in New York. You want to come to New York? I was like, uh, yeah, fuck, I want to go to the VMAs. I was 15. So you performed in the VMAs yeah. with Britney Spears yeah. and all that? Uh huh. Did you, you, you date her? No, I did not. Don't lie to me. I did not. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I need but, this. Don't lie to me. But then I ended up, I ended up doing a lot of, because I was a technical kid with yeah. computers and whatever i ended up helping out with a lot of the video stuff sure and a lot of the music editing right. and then when my friend wade the choreographer uh went to go do a reality wade's big time now yeah well, wade, wade was big time then yeah wade's big wade time and yeah so he after choreographing and directing for all that whole world he went off to go and do a reality show called the wade robson project and I had happened to be at a rehearsal studio where Britney was getting ready for an NFL kickoff, and I had done all the music remixes for it. Mm -hmm. And then she just said to her manager, she's like, I'm comfortable with Kevin. I think he should direct the next tour and choreograph. I had no idea. Yeah. So you did that. So I ended up – my first thing I choreographed for Britney was the Her and Madonna video called sure. Me Against the Music. Yeah. And then after that, I directed the tour called the Onyx Hotel Tour. And this was when I was 19. Jesus. So and you never dated her. <laughs> I, that, that stuff is all cool and all. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah, that's great. That's great. But, but you, you never dated, dated her? her? No. Like, but like, because Justin, right? Yeah, because Justin. You have respect for him? And then Kevin Federline and, you know, actually. K-Fed, you know, you should have slipped in there before K-Fed. What, what's funny is that K-Fed and I actually mm. shared a trailer uh, way earlier when I was 17 when we were both doing a really funny movie called You Got Served. I remember You Got Served. Yeah. And Kevin Federline is in there and, and so was I and by virtue of maybe because we had the same name but we ended up in the same little small little hey, trailer. Kevin's good Kevin, in there. Yeah, the, yeah. And then um, but yeah after after the first tour I was 19 and I was like I never wanted to do this. It's a lot of fun and I'm what glad I did it but I wanted to be Stan Winston at Holy first. Shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I, I, so I was taking like maquette classes and sculpting and face masks and that kind of stuff. And but then, my legs wouldn't quit dancing. <laughs> but then after, after directing the tour, I was like, I need to get back to what I wanted to do, which was direct and mm -hmm. get in filmmaking stuff. So I had sold a show to MTV. I took a bunch of... Um, video footage that I had shot on my little Sony camera while touring of all the backup dancers and I put together a sizzle reel. Yeah. And at the time, like making a sizzle reel was a novelty. Sure. Um it wasn't something that is required and yeah, now it's now it's like you have to do it. You ba you basically have to shoot two scenes from the yeah. movie before yeah. you can do anything. Um and I sold it and J Lo was the producer. It was called and Dance you dated, Life. You did, did you date J Lo? I did not date J Lo. Damn it, Kevin, yeah, no. why are you here? Um but then fame came around as an opportunity, and yeah. I went and met on it, and I got it. And Janet Jackson? No Janet Jackson. I never worked with Janet. Damn it. Unfortunately. But now that she has a new album, I'm, I'm impressed to see what, what comes of it. The Give album. me something I can use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is all nice and everything, but yeah. give me some good stuff. Some no. good meaty stuff, um, yeah. So, and that got you the fame movie, and mm. then da-da-da. Then, like, okay, so, so Mortal Kombat Legacy and that stuff comes out on Machinima. Mm-hmm. Your transition in television came from that? It did. Absolutely. Yeah. So after Mortal Kombat, I had started, you know, I really wanted to do genre stuff. Like after Fame, I went I did Mortal Kombat Rebirth because yeah. I was like there isn't anyone on the planet. And that was the short you wise. did. Yeah. That was the short you did, yeah. The original short that I did on my own. I, I just that you almost it. got sued for. I almost got sued for, yeah. And then Warner Bros was like, "Let's not sue him. Let's, Let's use, use him. him. Let's yeah. harness his abilities." <laughs> so that was my calling card to be like I can do Genre stuff. Yeah, I don't want to dance anymore. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't about to like go make a bunch of dance movies. So, um, 
and that got led me into meetings with you know Andrew Kreisberg and Berlanti, and now like the sh- all the shows that I'm doing are just from those meetings genre yeah. fanboy stuff. I mean, it's like Supergirl. Nice. I'm doing Twelve Monkeys after this. Uh, you know, I heard that's good. Yeah, and then you know Agents of Shield and Flash, and then uh, are you doing another Agents of Shield? I am. Cool. The one that I actually my last episode of the, my Don't first episode an NDA of this for us. season. Don't break an NDA for us. <laughs> is uh. Tuesday night. This Tuesday night is my first episode of the new season. I'll be here. We'll be here working. Yeah, so I'll be... Well, you know what sucks about working in television? But it's great about, you know... Yeah. We're going to miss the premieres of all these cool shows. Like, my wife is... The DVR is going crazy right now. And then when I get back in late October, it's like, now I'm just going to sit for a week and catch up on television. Exactly. I mean, the thing that... The genre that I really would like to play in, because I've I've grown up a fan of it, was is horror. I would Mm. love to do something horror. Okay. Um... I am obsessed. I was when I was little. I was obsessed with Tales from the Crypt. It's the shit. It's great. And tri- <laughs> Trick or Treat is kind of like the only thing that has come close to it in Sense, recent. Yeah. Well, memory. what do you think about my my friend Michael Goy shoots and directs uh, uh, American Horror Story? That's very good too. And yeah, I think he's it great. Did you see Scream Queens? Not yet. I heard Dude, it was Scream great. Scream Queens is awesome. I heard it's fantastic. It's so fucking campy and unapologetic with the camp. That my, is okay. my wife watched it. And I was on the fence about it, but I just visited Michael on the set of American Horror Story Hotel, and I think he's brilliant. I think Mar- awesome. he shoots all of Ryan Murphy stuff, and I think oh, cool. he's just brilliant. Oh, cool! And uh, and so I spent a day with him on this, you know, kind of watching him work. I'm I'm, I'm very into like watching other directors yeah. work as I, I start to get my feet wet, and uh, and I was like, oh, we should DVR Scream Queens, and my wife watched it without me because I was getting ready for this trip, and then. Uh, I got a chance to watch it the day before I left, and I was howling. I think it's so much fun and so unapologetic. And it's if you love Scream, yeah, the, the movie, then you're gonna love Scream Queens. And they know what they're making, and they celebrate what they're making. So can I ask? It's so much fucking fun. I need to ask a question because I didn't watch it, but yeah, how was Scream the TV show? I didn't watch it either, but it's supposedly not bad. Because I know their Teen Wolf is not bad, and yeah, and like, but but I don't know. I the, just felt like it probably should have. I thought it was gonna make more of a buzz. The, the, scream TV the MTV show. show I'm looking forward to is Shannara. Oh, that's, that looks epic, doesn't it? It looks... It's Lord of the Rings, the TV show. It, I can't believe what I'm seeing from this thing. It, and it's on MTV, right? Who and Into you? the Badlands. I'm, I'm excited about that. Into the Badlands. Yeah. Those movies are... I mean, those shows are look like movies. They do. They do. I'm very excited about that it's one. Good time I mean, to be on I'm TV. very impressed with Shannara. I mean, they shoot it in New Zealand. Yes. So it already has the Lord of the Rings... Look, because it's in New Zealand. Well, this Warner Brothers workshop changed my life, and um, and uh, one of the people in it was one of the producers on Oh Shannara into Badlands and Shannara. Oh, cool. I had okay. lunch with him, and he's like, "Dude, you got to see what we're what we're filming." That's amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, this is a Lord of the, like it. Never when I was reading Dragonlands and all those fantasy yeah. books did I think that anybody was going to make a TV series or even a movie out of Terry Brooks's Shannara Chronicles. Ever I like think... Stones of Shannara, all that stuff. I didn't think it would ever become a series or a movie. I thought it was, yeah. you know everything was a movie back mm-hmm. then. Now with television, what it is is holy shit. This is a perfect time for it, and the stuff it looks perfect. It looks great. It looks great. I mean, television is actually a really exciting place right now. I know a lot of a lot of directors who are a little tired of always chasing the fact that movies are only existing IPs or reboots or yeah. rehashes or you know prequels and sequels and remakes and sure that television especially cable specifically is where like all of the really cool things are moving towards um, i know shinara is not necessarily original because it's a it was already a book series but have you never seen anything like this on television no, i think absolutely that's what you're not. saying yeah. yeah so you don't Television's getting a lot very exciting because they're they're really stepping up their game. You glad to be here doing these other shows? Yeah, like, are you kidding me? I'm I, I love Don't the show. Don't ruin your episode. No, no, no. My, my like, episode. I'm very excited about my like, episode. And you got to be happy. Oh yeah. And my wife told like she's like, are, like are you so stoked right now? She yeah. just keeps, she's like and I'm like I would have been more stoked ten years ago, but ten years ago didn't have this atmosphere. This landscape didn't exist ten it years didn't. ago. It did not. I just wanted to not go through ten years of like having to teach and do this and that. You know like yeah. 
Like, it's a rough, and you know, I wasn't 19 dating Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you at least, like, smelled her hair or did something creepy, right? Like, you did something creepy. Well, you want to know what's so kind of interesting about that is that, yes. and, and, a lot, and all my best know. friends know, know this about me, is that I'm kidding. I had a huge crush on her before I, I met her. Before you met her, okay. Yeah. Before I met her, I was like, this girl is so pretty. Totally. Yeah. And we, all, we all did. <laughs> yeah, everyone you felt. got to meet her. Then I got to meet her. And work with her. And work with her. And then for what happened? Years. Friend zone? You got friend zone? Did we you just, get on the friend It was zone? just work. I mean, it was. Did like, you friend zone her or she friend zone you? I just think nothing. There was never an opportunity for any of that. It was just K work. Because K fed? It was just work. Do you wish you'd smothered K fed when he was asleep in your bunk? Like smothered him to, I just to get the opportunity. I didn't understand that whole situation. It was such a <laughs> weird situation to me. It was a bit Kardashian ish, like weird TMZ ish, wasn't it's it? So weird. It was like, like a. The one that, but there is the one artist that I'm like, I would love to work with just because. I mean, does anyone not like Taylor Swift? Oh, she's incredible. She's like the... She's incredible. She's incredible. I thought you were going to say Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. That's mine. No, I just want That's mine. I did meet Jean-Claude because there was a small opportunity, a small window where he was going to play Johnny Cage. What? I almost... In Mortal Kombat, he was going to play Johnny Cage, I which, almost convinced, which Castro Van Dien is now playing. Uh, yes. And he I, played for you, yeah. Yeah, I almost convinced Jean-Claude to do it. And he wanted to do it. It was timing. How was that conversation? Listen, please, I want to do this, but yeah. you got to give me, like, listen, I got to get more money. Yeah, that was the conversation. Hey, listen, Kevin, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> I, you know, I talked to Britney Spears. She's yeah. a friend. And yeah. I like you. I will do the splits for you. But, but I need to get paid more. I need to get paid more. Okay. He's funny. He... Back the Brinks truck up and you get me. <laughs> He's a and nice... You, and you only get me for today. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> The one experience I had meeting him, he was really nice, but he was very eccentric. You know, like yeah. every story Did you, you ever watch hear. His reality show. What? He had a reality show that only played like the BBC. In here, right? Yeah, and some of it's in Vancouver. Okay. Where like you see him in, in like it's BBC or something like or Channel Four. It's, it's, it's where he was living in Thailand. Or yeah. Something? Well, he bounces around and and he's like, John Claude on the weekends, and like the, the narrator was like. John Claude has to shoot a movie scene and this and that and then he's just doing you know he's like getting really emotional in front of the camera and like he's crying with his dogs and stuff he's like I miss them and and, and I was like dude I want to put him in something because I thought JCVD he was great was in JCVD fucking awesome and then Birdman came out and I was like I like Birdman I like Birdman a lot yeah but JCVD is the I think the better the action yeah. it, well I think it was the better actor dealing with his age and well, it was real behind the it was quote unquote real and it was it was him playing him instead of Michael Keaton playing a student like a sort of pseudo Weird, version of yeah. him I really do love Birdman mm. but JCVD w felt so fresh and I IMDB that that director who's a Belgian and I'm like where are you at dude because you're massively talented yeah what is he doing now? I don't know I don't know but JCVD was Awesome. If you, guys like, if you guys haven't watched JCVD, it's phenomenal. And his, his acting in that movie was great. Incredible. It's incredible. I think he's got it when he wants Like, if he really wants it. Like, maybe the Johnny Cage thing. Like, maybe he's like, listen, Kevin, we need to do, I need to do a rewrite. He, he, he has to really want it. Yes. That's the thing. And I don't think he really gets those projects handed to him. Well, what if, like, he played Guile, and now he's going to play Mortal Kombat. Well, that would have been sick. But Guile, I mean, I know, I, I know, it was Duke from you know, yeah, the, the that script for Street Fighter was a twenty four hour turnaround, right? Well, no, it was a it was a retrofitted GI Joe script. It was. Yeah, it was a retrofitted GI Joe script. That's Duke. The whole script is a it's a it's a, it's a script that was bound, that was sitting in Hollywood for GI Joe. Oh, is that why when they but GI Joe wasn't popular anymore? It was Street Fighter, so they retrofitted a GI Joe script for Street Fighter, and that's why that's why that's why Ken and, and Wright, Ryu aren't even in it. That's it's why it's a GI Joe movie. It's literally a GI Joe. Literally movie. A now that I think movie. about it, who Be wants to go home and who wants to go with me? Like, yeah. Well, because also, I remember when the action being disappointed when the action figures for Street Fighter the movie came yes. out. And they were G.I. Joe dolls. Yes. That like was, they legitimately yeah. were G.I. Joe dolls dressed up as None of this vinyl fighter. stuff that we love now, they were, yeah, they were G.I. Joe. But beyond that, they were, um, the, the video game came out and it was like live action, you know, camera. Remember Pit Fighter? That was yeah. the original. That was the original Mortal Kombat was Pit Fighter. This, that, the whole Street Fighter movie was a disaster. I think every single one has been. Yeah. It was just so you're going to do Street Fighter? No. 
<laughs> Street um, Fighter hurts hurts Mortal Kombat, the you know, yeah. it, because it's all they all they compare them. Uh, so, if you guys are listening to this and you like the whole uh, talk of retro toys, go back to the last episode, and, and we had two documentarians in the studio. We, they talked about the He-Man documentary that they did and the stories about the creation and subsequent like history of He-Man. It's one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in that documentary, uh, The Toy Masters. And just listen to our conversation on the last episode of Geekscape and throw that out because I think it's fascinating and it answered questions I didn't even know I had wanted to ask. <laughs> um, w- w- features. Yes. Let's talk features. Because like I, I wrote a feature to shoot in Austin. Oh, okay. I hope it still ha- I hope it happens. We'll see. Uh, the, the studio kind of, you know, had different plans for me, which I love. I love being here. But I still want to shoot my movie. Uh, movie stuff like 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 this TV gig's pretty good. You're working in the genre that we love. Um, what would make you step to features? Original. Um, original. Something original. Okay. Um, I just right. wanted all the director assignments, right? Yes. Like you, you that you go after are all just they're just another brand, another property, and you. you well, do... What if it's a brand that you love? Like if there was a brand that you loved, like then, for me, Gremlins. Well, that would be fun, but you also just when it comes to those things, the director is is a cog. Yeah, I know. Right, I know. it's a cog in a machine. But not my Gremlins film because I'm going to call Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's going to be a star. <laughs> but like when you do your own, I want to be able like all would the you directors. Write it? Would you write it or have a writer write it with you? Or like I would what? write it with somebody. Are, I are mean, you working like, on that? Excuse me. Are you working on that? I am. Yeah, working on mm-hmm. that right now. I'm. It's over there on your laptop. Can I see it? It's not on my laptop. <laughs> no. Uh, but all the directors that I reference and love, and all the movies that I bring up, are they're original. Yeah. Right. I Back mean, to the Future is your favorite movie. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But then you think about Terminator with yeah. Cameron made with Terminator and what Ridley did with Alien. I mean, like these weren't existing properties. How are you going to get that made today? I think that there is going to be. Hopefully, and I don't know where the where the distribution would be, but I do think that there is such a a pot of frustrated directors who want to do original content, and they all have their own voice and their own idea. Do you have to make that movie for a million dollars, five million dollars? Do you have to make that movie like a Babadook or an It Follows, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like that that kind of do that. what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. With, you know, like even Neil Neil Blomkamp, he, he I feel like I know it was a treacherous situation, Fallout in the Halo movie or whatever, but that. That kind of original first film, well, I don't think will ever happen to many people. Like, no, just to be given but it's a... never happened to many people. No, <laughs> it's, yeah. that's what it's so unique. But, um, but people are—I mean, with technology and this and that, people are able to do it. But I think that like hipster horror is currently going through a cool like surge. Well, like and, it follows. Yeah, like like <laughs> we—I just call it hipster horror. But yeah. um, but that's kind of the thing right now, and you can get in on that. You can do some hipster horror. But, I love horror. I mean, but I also think there's other stuff out there. Could you do that with a superhero movie? Could you do it with a genre? Could you do it with a sci-fi? I think you can. I mean, yeah. there's a. I'm trying to think of like a horror movie that I, that I've seen recently that I, I feel like was so well done. I mean, obviously, The Conjuring was 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 great, but sure. it's a twenty million dollar movie, I know. right? And they, I don't think they're gonna get yeah. And the second one is is only bigger. And do you piece? But do, can you piece it together with foreign? Like financing, could you piece it together? With, you know, with that, that really mean, depends on a cast. And well, so Blum changed. Yeah. Every, I mean, oh, Jason Blum did. He, he really changed everything. I mean, did but you, how much of that stuff does he acquire? You know what I, I mean? No. I mean, do you, did you see M Night Shyamalan's last last movie? I didn't, but my wife had, saw it and had a ton of fun watching it. I watched it. it. I yeah, saw she it. said it was fun. I loved it. I loved yeah. it because I think good for him, man. I went in there going. Ugh. I know, but. <laughs> Good for him. Like, I think yeah. Sixth Sense is such an incredible movie. You want to know what holds up to me still? Don't say it. Unbreakable. Hate it. I think it holds up. We Fair. were talking about consistency of character, and mm-hmm. that movie, I cannot respect that character because he's like forty. He's like forty something, and hasn't questioned the fact that he's never broken a bone or anything. I think he's a dunce. Well, that yeah, that is a bit much. But I do think you know when I rewatched it, this was pre Batman Begins. Sure, of course. And I feel like if it had come out maybe a few years after Batman Begins, it may have been a little bit easier for people to digest because it was like, no, we want to tell a real superhero story. Mm. And I don't think I've seen, I didn't see anything attempted to do that But your before. main character, and you know what really put me off of that movie was it felt self-indulgent. As we talk about One Take Masters, yeah. the, oh, one, the well. One Take Masters in that movie was like, that's yeah. not impressive, man. No. This isn't Fellini. Like, he just tried is, to do, he just, yeah. he did he it just, to do it. 
He just left the camera recording. Well, like they're just sitting there. They're, it's it's not impressive. You're not talking about moves, right? Yeah. Where these aren't camera moves. It's just the camera sitting there. I'm like, and I can dude, pick, I can pinpoint a lot of those scenes. Like it drives me crazy. When, remember when we turned the comic book around? It's just so <laughs> distracting, and and it stops being about the character and stops being about the story with that, and it starts being about the director being like, hey, I'm here too, and and that's like the worst. That's probably the the biggest sin you can do to your story is. Yeah wave your arms and be like look at me i'm doing these one take masters that are, that have nothing to, I didn't you know feel who's like they great at it though quaron is good at it i think corona's good at it and joe lynch yeah joe lynch you know i think the stuff that he did in, in um i like this i like the stuff he did in hannah but before that um you're right joe Wright. that's what i meant joe yeah. Wright. joe Wright. uh um joe Wright. the stuff he did uh before hannah and um uh oh, what was the war movie Anna, no, 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 no. Before oh. that, um, with 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 the same girl, with Sayers, yes, Sayers, yeah, and she, Sayers Ronan, and she lies, and yeah. James McAvoy atonement? gets shipped. Atonement, yeah. Holy shit, that's great. Alfonso Cuarón for sure, because we well, all love Children of Men, but but like Joe Wright, that beach sequence was incredible. Holy shit! Did you see the um, video essay called "Don't Ignore the Background"? On it was about Children of Men and how. Quaron is really good at telling stories with foreground elements, element, but with a background, something's going on. And um, it comes to play and this and that. And well, in a, in a movie like Children of Men, it most he was they were saying that most movies showcase the world through their main character's right. perspective. And Quaron's movie, Children of Men, he kind of let the audience experience it firsthand. So, yes, you may have Clive Owen walking here, but he might pass the camera, and he then the camera will just for, yeah. go and show the world. He leaves, you know, in that car sequence of the ping pong, they leave frame. The mm. opening with the explosion, they leave frame. But then, for sure, that last sequence where he's going through, like, the battle-riddled city, he leaves the frame for a long time, and they, they play cat and mouse catch-up, right. almost like the opening of... Um, of uh, That's, like, one of my favorite cat and mouse catch-up sequences is, of course, um, Touch of Evil. Yes. And they and they do that, but it's That's not evil, it's right? not Hollywood. It's like no, it's no. like steady cam and it's it's got that energy in it. But yeah, the the cat and mouse kinda like you leave frame, come back to frame, play catch up, da da da. I think that stuff is it's great. Incredible. Well Touch of Evil was like the first big like crane yeah, to steady cam. Yeah, you know? yeah long take mask. It was yeah, fucking it was, awesome. It was great, but That's like, a different category. It's a That's totally like different old category. Hollywood. Da da da. We're talking about you know, yeah, I mean, I have big, big appreciation for that stuff. You I should just, watch it because there's a sh- shitload of symbolism in Children of Men. It's like, one of those YouTube videos. It's like Edgar yeah. Wright's humor versus it's that same channel. I think I I don't know what it's called, it but but yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of really cool YouTube stuff that I watched. Like there was some like first the first frame of a movie and then the last frame of the movie, yeah. and how they have symbolism, have various or sim- their bookends, yeah, yeah, and when directors do stuff like that and. Uh, but this one was really great. The symbolism that was in Children of Men is, I just, because it was so subtle, right? Um, I was super impressed with how it, it, it did resonate and it did make you feel the presence of the symbolism, but it wasn't like, you know, like Avatar per se. It's like, mm. there's nothing symbolic there. This is like humans are ruining yeah. tree people. No, it's a bit... Yeah. I heard a friend of mine was on the set of Terminator Salvation, McGee. McGee's movie? Okay. And the whole time he's doing that kind of like one take master at the beginning where John Connor comes out of the ground and then there's helicopters and stuff like that he, the whole time supposedly on set he's like let's make it like children of men and I'm like but you totally missed the point you of why that worked Yeah, he just, let's make it like children of men uh, let's, let's keep the camera on children of men and I'm like no dude no. like it's no. oh that no wonder the movie looked like that he wanted yeah. to make feel like children of men did you see Genesis no kind. You know, do we have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do did it. We have, did you see it? I did. Yeah. Do we have to do this? Yeah, let's not do that. I love that you have not one but two Baymax hats. I do. Uh, the you know because the white one has the potential to get dirty, so I got the black right. one. I just figured out what my Halloween costume yeah. is going to be, though. I'm going to wear that. And yeah. I'm going to get a white sweatshirt. Yeah. And just white sweats and just. And you can do it. I'll be hip hop Baymax. Yeah. You gonna be back in L.A. for? For Halloween, I think I actually might be in Toronto. Okay. For okay. the 12 Monkey shoot. 12 Monkeys, okay. Well, yeah. guys, we will be back in L.A. for Halloween. We got uh, Kamikaze, cool. Stan Lee's convention, and we're going to have a booth there. Um, and we're going to 
uh, have a lot of fun. I'm going to be on a couple panels, which I will record and release right here on this uh, on this feed. So if you guys are long time or short time Geekscape listeners, uh, go ahead and tell your friends to subscribe. Give us five stars or whatever on whatever pod feed catcher you guys mm-hmm. currently subscribe to. And Kevin asked me earlier today. Hey, as this TV stuff ramps up, how are we going to have time to keep doing Geekscape? And we're going to do it just like this, I guess, where I sit down with another filmmaker and we talk movies again. So uh, I'll try and give you guys one or two more while I'm here in Vancouver. But uh, I know Kevin starts production soon. We start production soon. Um, Things are going to get crazy. But hey, they give us the weekends off. So it's always time for a nice conversation. This is what we talk about anyway. That's what Geekscape is. Just record it. That's it. We're going to be talking about this stuff anyway. Uh, so, dude, Kevin, thanks for coming on, dude. Of course. Thanks for talking movies with me and all this stuff. Um, do you want to go get pizza? Pizza? It's up to you. I actually just, I, I, I ate right after I danced. I had you a had Jappa to, dog. though. I had a Jappa dog. Dude, I see that stand. I don't trust you, it. You got it. Like, after, after, and this is such a bad thing. After I work out or do anything physical, my immediate response is I need to go to Popeye's. Dude, like, I fucking it, love Popeye's. Yeah, I just, like, I need to eat something like that. It's do you terrible. get Popeye's in L.A.? Oh, yeah. Then we, I think we got to go. I fucking love Popeye. You, you go to that one on uh, Laurel Canyon? Just no, but do you know the Which one, one on Coenga and Hollywood is, is all new now? It's like brand yeah, new. Yeah, but that's, dude, there's so many hobos in that one. I know. I there's a lot of hobos in that one. Yeah. And it freaks me out. But, like, since we're both in the valley. Yeah. We Which gotta, one are you talking we gotta about? Do, there's one on Laurel Canyon just north of the 101. Okay, yeah, I know what that is. I think that's where we're going. Okay, I'll do it. Well, I'll see you back in L.A. We're going to go to Popeye's. Uh, Geekscape, as you may be invited. But uh, thanks for listening, dude. Um, thank you. And check us out on geekscape.net, Facebook, and all that stuff. But, Kevin. Sounds good. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man.